I want to make sure that people know that even stuff like that is a skill that they can build. Having a good ear is a skill that you can build. It's not something that you have to just sit back with your mouth agape and, and just be like, wow, if you are a singer and you want to build this, you can, 1,000%. And so I'm, I'm driven um, by wanting other singers to know that. Hey, welcome to the Monique on the Mic podcast. My name is Monique B. Thomas, and this is episode number 11 already. Listen, today's guest is so exciting for me. Um, You may know her from The Robin's Nest. Her name is Ashley Robin, and she's the only person on the planet that I know that makes learning scales and modes fun. So we're going to talk to her about that and some other things that I know you singers all might be dealing with. Let's get into it. So please, please welcome to the show, Miss Ashley Robin. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Hi, everyone. I'm doing very well today. How are you, Mo? <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I'm super, super excited. I'm excited uh, because uh, it's very rare that I meet somebody with a similar background to mine, meaning, you know, we've both studied opera, we've both studied jazz. And so with those two large backgrounds and plus being a an African-American person, that comes also with a certain set of uh, musical um, background and, and musicality and things like that, that kind of fills in the gap between jazz and opera. And so I just rarely meet people with that. And so I'm super excited because I think that it leads you to, to be the kind of person that you are. But what I want to know is, well, I know a little bit about you because I've read about you, but I want you to tell us a little bit about how you got started. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, of course, I knew, you know, we were recording this today. And so I'm thinking about how I'm going to answer this question (laughs) as I'm getting ready this morning. And one of the things that came to me uh, is, it's so interesting how it was always there. I remember being like six or seven um, and just loving music. I would put on concerts with my dolls. Like I had this bed set up where I could pretend that it was a stage, put the dolls on top and play the music and they're dancing and performing. Um, and then even I, I have this really vivid memory. Um, of course, you could probably tell I was a big uh, Barbie head. So <laughs> there was a type of Barbie called the Beyond Pink Barbie and she was a, a rock star and it came with an album. And so the first song, like the main song, I remember again being like six or seven. And it wasn't even that I loved the song. I was gushing over the production <laughs> of the song. I was like going to my 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 older sister and my stepbrothers at the time. And I was like, do you hear the organ on this? This is so cool. <laughs> so like, I, I, I feel like in a way it was always there. But, you know, of course, I'm super grateful for like having a musical upbringing um, growing up in church, us always singing together. My father played all types of music. So I had a really well-rounded um, background uh, with music. And so I'm super, super grateful for that. Um, and then coming through school, like around, you know, junior high school was when I started to get serious, um, branched off, went to a performing arts high school, and that kind of solidified it for me. Like by the time I was done at that this high school, it. I was like, this is it. Music. Yeah. Music yeah. all the way. It's not like yeah. you even chose mm-hmm. it. It chose you, right? Yeah. Kind now, of. Do you come yeah. from a musical family? Because I saw your dad in one of your Instagram videos. It was so cute. You giving him a lesson. I thought that was so cute. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. My dad is my dad is a musical person, but I think the thing about it is that he doesn't see himself that way. It's so strange. I tell him all the time, like, You've been singing all my life. You're probably one of the reasons I sing at all. And you don't think that you're a musical person. It's so strange. But yeah, he he actually um, came up singing. He was a DJ in the 70s, oh, like wow. a really big DJ in New York City. It's it kind of cool um, to, to go back and look at the pictures and stuff. But he's really big into like sound fidelity wow. and um, uh, yeah, he sings. Uh, he came through, um, what do you call it? Uh, he went to college briefly for classical singing. Okay. And so he has training there. And then, like I said, we grew up in church. He was one of the pastors at the church. So always singing, okay. always singing, always playing music, all types of music too. Okay. Yeah. So outside of your family and even your church family, mm-hmm. was there somebody that found you and said, child, 
please make sure you go into music. Is, was there somebody special that pointed you in that direction and say, hey, you've got a gift? Well, in the, in, in, it's kind of a, a probably a, a, a mixture of influences that pushed me in that direction. I know you said besides my family, but I know like my, my father and my sister are like one of my biggest inspirations inside the family. And then outside, you know, when you grow up in church, it's like, as soon as they find out you got a little something, they throw a mic at you. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you're going to yeah. sing. sing the Lord's music so today. <laughs> right. 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 Today. Right. And then, you know, in addition to that, there's like the... Um, I remember uh, in in high school, one of my first years of high school, I um before I went to the specialized high school because I went to a local high school mm-hmm. first, and I remember when I was leaving to go to the specialized high school, one of my teachers wrote I made this little yearbook because I wasn't going to have a proper one for that school, so I mean, <laughs> and she wrote in my notebook, Ashley, please, please, please be a jazz singer, Aww. and I was like, oh, oh, the encouragement, <laughs> so it's. Yeah, that's that's like one of the biggest uh, memories that I have of someone like saying, this is yours. Please, I beg you do it. Right, yeah. right. So, you know what? I want to go back to what you said about church because mm-hmm. I'm a fond believer, you know, as we know that all Black American music is kind of like the world's music. You know, everybody yeah. loves and, and sort of takes from what we do. And a lot of, for us, a lot of that comes from the church. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, yeah. How do you feel that growing up in the church has um, influenced you musically and also as uh, even your development of musicality skills, musicianship? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in a family church. So kind of as I alluded to earlier, everybody knows each other. And the moment they see that there's a spark of something in you— they hand you a microphone and they stand you up in front of people. And so what this does is it gives you a sense of uh, performance technique from a young age. It's like you you start to pick up on um, how you can deliver things musically, what works, what doesn't work. And and in a lot of ways, um, the church is kind of like a training ground Mm -hmm. for... um, yeah, for your musicality, for performance technique, it's like a safe yeah. space, a little like cocoon that you can use to test things out. I remember um, when I was 15, I think that was like one of my awakening moments. I don't know if that's a thing, like a musical awakening, right? Where it's like, I, I, I think I really realized, I was like, wow, I could do this. Like, I'm not, I'm not bad. But the trouble with that is that, of course, I sang the song for like 15 minutes. <laughs> You're like, tell your story. But um, we hungry. <laughs> exactly. And I remember so vividly singing until everybody was with me because it was like one of my first solos. Everybody was with me. Everybody's on their feet, you know, into it. And then I, I vividly and distinctly remember like looking around the room and people just slowly starting to sit down and just like, all right now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, I was digging in. You were going. I I was digging in anyway. <laughs> now in, in hindsight, I was not digging in, but I was just kind of getting, getting my feel for it. But, but they allowed but yeah, you that it's, space. It's moments like that. They mm-hmm. allowed you yeah, that exactly. space. I think one thing that was a, a big, um, I don't think you really realize, some people don't realize how great the church is for, as a school, not even for singers, but other instrumentalists, until you go somewhere else and you see how other people learn music. So I'm, you know, I'm living in Europe and people started wanting to learn gospel. So I started teaching gospel. And the first thing I realized is that our choir parts sit higher than what most choirs are used to singing. Yes. And so they're like, can I sing that in falsetto? I'm like, no, I need that in full voice, please. Thank you. And, and it made me realize that, for example, how many times you have a, a choir rehearsal and let's say you might be missing a couple tenors. So they might pull some altos down or, you know, somebody, they might pull somebody else to be sopranos. You know, oh, our piano player is missing today. You, I know you play a little bit. You go sit on the drums. And, and I always thought that that was special because the only thing they wanted from us was to try try to fill the role. They didn't expect us to be great at it. In fact, they knew it wouldn't be. But there was like that, as you say, that safe space that allowed us to fail forward 
that yes. then fosters the the idea of yeah, no, well, okay, maybe I'm starting where I'm starting, but I can get better. I I think that's a, a major part of our education that's that fosters mm-hmm. you know great musicians. I agree. I, 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 hearing you say it kind of makes me emotional because it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true, and and I don't know if I would be the same. Uh, person musically if not for what singing at church and having the space to sing at church and having the space to find myself musically in a way because you know there were there were other things of course um that helped me do that but that that was a big huge part of my um, musical development I think yeah absolutely I think also so you know from from the black American church but also the black American culture of for example as I don't know about you but as soon as our kids, you know, are old enough to clap their hands, they're clapping on two and four. They're clapping on two. We don't, we don't let nobody clap on one and three. They Absolutely clap on two not. and four. We get them to move to the rhythm. And, you know, again, as I go older, get older, and I work with younger students, I'm looking at them like, you know what? I'm not doing them any service if I'm not teaching them that right from the get-go. It's something that mm-hmm. it's there's no reason for that to be a stigma when you're 24, you should have learned it already. And so I right. that's one thing I really appreciate because I realized that by the time I got to school and started studying European classical music, a lot of the musicianship I had learned, it was already built in. Mm-hmm. My sense of time and sense right. of rhythm was impeccable. The ears were better because we tend to do things vocally. We, we're not reading sheet music in church. So everything has right. to be picked up by the ear, whether it's the rhythm, the intonation, the inflections, ends of phrases, beginning of phrases, uh, you know, fall off, all that stuff. We have to pick it all up. And even though the person teaching us doesn't always know how to articulate it, they know how to show it, but they don't necessarily know how to put it into words. And so it's like, I feel like now, let me just for our listeners, I'm not saying our culture is better than any other culture. I'm just saying this is how this is one way that you can learn musicality. And obviously that leads us to have someone like an Ashley Robin who's doing what she's doing, who's combined then this church culture, this African-American culture with then um, European classical. So tell me about your classical studies. Yeah. um, They really began in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to a specialized high school in New York City uh, called LaGuardia High School. Um, and they, you know, right from the beginning, as soon as you get in there, you've got to start learning arias. Mm-hmm. And I, I always tell the story because I think it's hilarious. Um, I remember my first solo and voice class in high school. I thought I knew what I was doing. <laughs> 15 years old. I was just like, yeah, I mean, this song is easy. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to sing it. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember going up there and singing with zero like understanding of what classical sound should be <laughs> and just the, the scoops and the dips <laughs> and the oh, you know <laughs> and when I was done my teacher was like okay so and I you know I was so confident um but yeah I mean uh, I like to tell that story because it makes me laugh but but I am really really grateful uh, for my classical training um Again, it was really emphasized in high school. Um, and and what I loved about it was, number one, I feel like it makes me or it made me well-rounded. gave me an appreciation for um, a different sound. Because yes. up, up until that point, again, it was, it was all church music or uh, R&B, soul, rap, you know. So I hadn't yet been exposed to, you know, with the exception of certain things with my dad. The idea that I could sing classic, right? I hadn't. Sure. I, 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 I didn't know. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that I could. Right. You know, so that experience in high school um, really helps. Like they really focused mostly on um, classical up until like your last year, and then you could, you, then you got to do like <laughs> a semester of Broadway, right? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so so from there, you know, I again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, high school was where I realized that I wanted to do music for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so once I was finished with that and I went to college uh, to get my bachelor's, my plan, my hope was actually to go straight for jazz because I felt like uh, high school, you know, I, I jazz was what I wanted. Okay. 
I um I got into like Kim Burrell and and all that around that time, mm-hmm. and I really admired the way that she could just and can just do whatever she wants, mm-hmm. like come from um from any angle, <laughs> hit whatever note she yep. wants to do. So I wanted to I wanted to be like that, right. and so I I knew that she was. Uh, I knew her background was a jazz because I could hear it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, I need to study jazz because if I study jazz, then maybe I'll come out with an ear like that. Right. And so... Uh, Not a bad idea. I went to college. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the logic track. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I go to, you know, I, I go to uh, uh, undergrad audition for the music program. It was a small music program. And I always kind of joked and said that I was kind of tricked into getting my bachelor's in classical. Because <laughs> I remember, I remember, you know, auditioning. I sang, I sang Isiba. Uh, as oh, my, wow. Uh, you know, yeah, as, as French, as my French piece. Okay. And then I sang a little jazz. I forget what song I did. Um, and then I remember at the end of the audition, I said, they, they had accepted me kind of on the spot. And I remember saying like, are we going to do jazz too? And the teacher was like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With a slide. And I was like, right, like, uh-huh, right. And I, I didn't, I always say I didn't get a drop of jazz, a drop of jazz in my undergrad studies until the last two semesters. And I had to e-permit out to another school oh, wow. to get that. Yeah. But even with all that being said, I still am very grateful yeah. for what I learned because I felt like it prepared me to hold my own technically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not, this is not to say that if you don't learn classical, you can't get those basic, um, principles of breathing and, and, and all that sort of stuff, um, musicianship and all that stuff. Um, but I feel like it definitely helped me to understand the concept, uh, and, practicing that and having to practice it that way um i just think it it was it was helpful and it gave me another color it gave me another uh helped me to access another i guess shade see yeah all right which i appreciate see low keys (laughs) just for everybody just for some context Mm -hmm. ever since uh ashley had uh decided to do the podcast interview because i don't know ashley i just reached out to her because i'm like this is a kindred spirit there's something about her i really like her i feel her i see her i need to contact her and so since then i've been i've been writing on her posts and she wrote something about asmr and i was like yeah that post that song is crunchy and and i knew you knew what i was talking about like it made me want to eat bacon and i can tell (laughs) that we have a very similar way of uh, maybe processing information to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, when you said colors, I mean, I, I think for for us artists, it really is about having a large color palette because we flip stuff up all the time. It's like today I'm I'm like totally in the mauve, and then the next day it's like no 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 no. It's almost like from the Wiz, you know, you change the colors. You got to be mean and green. <laughs> no, that's today gold is old. It's red, you know, instead <laughs> that type right. of thing. So I'm I'm just kind of cracking up because she's saying things. I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. Wait, let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Are you a color tour? No, no. I think I was. I think I was. Uh classified as a lyric okay soprano okay um yeah my i i experiment like i lately i've been experimenting with whistle tones and and like really really high stuff okay but i don't sing up there often <laughs> all right i just, I just oh like that would just, are you a collector? i am i am Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Nice to yeah. meet you. My first meeting of a color. It's an honor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Listen, I, I like voices in general. I like all kinds of voices. Of course, you know how it is. Nobody's ever happy with what they got. I'm a, I'm a like a really high soprano, but I have low range. Wow. But I've always liked the larger voices, of course. You know, so. Yeah. It is what it is. But this is what God gave me. So I'm going, I'm going to run this until, until yeah. you know, it runs no more. <laughs> Absolutely. To the wheels. To the wheels fall <laughs> off. Now, what I want to talk about is what really brought me to you and mm-hmm. um, the connection that I feel that we have, even though we don't know each other. Um, mm-hmm. What I saw on Instagram is I saw this person who is learned, who is knowledgeable about um, music that took something so dry and made it fun. And and not only did you make it fun, well, this is behind it, but I can tell that you care. I can tell 
that you have this mission, and correct me if I'm wrong, of wanting to make sure that singers are really musicians, that they're not just opening their mouth and kesarasara, whatever comes out, comes out, and, you know, we might have to pray it down, (laughs) throw some holy water on it. I can tell that you're really trying to make sure that singers are armed with tools that they can rely on so that every time they make music, if they go into the studio, they're, they know what they're hearing. They know how to process it. They know how to communicate with the other musicians if they hear something they don't like or they do like. And I want to know what made you like that? Because the, the, the business that we're in of teaching voice, it can be a lucrative business. And I've seen a lot of people just do it for the money. And you can just do it for the money. I mean, I think it's kind of sad because it's it's also a lot of work to just do it for the money. But I see something a little bit different in you. And so I want to know how that came about. Yeah, I, when you talk about wanting people to be prepared, wanting people to have the tools to navigate musical situations and to decide, make educated decisions about what they sing and why and how, I always say even to do something for fun is a decision. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I want you to be able to choose that. That's what I often say to my students. I don't want you to do anything because you don't know how else to do it. I want you to do it because that's how you want to do it. You better preach, Ashley. You better preach. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here saying amen. You better preach. Have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I always try to emphasize that with them because I when I when I have students I'm like but you know uh, the, you know from student to student obviously but it's like sometimes I get students who what they have what they're coming to the lesson with is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Your voice is beautiful. You're doing great things. But I don't want you to do that, you know, I don't want you to do that all the time. Right. I don't want you to do that because you don't know what else to do. I don't want you to do that because that's your autopilot. Mm-hmm. I want you to be choosing and making art. And I think one of the biggest drivers for me is just knowing what it feels like, knowing what it feels like to be in a musical situation and not know how to communicate, mm-hmm. being in a musical situation, not feeling prepared, mm-hmm. not feeling like I can be the best version of myself on this microphone as I want to be. That That's, I don't know, it's, it's important to me. I don't know, uh, you know, some folks might call it perfectionism. I don't like to call it that. I think perfectionism, perfectionism, perfectionism is a bully. Yes. Because right? it, it's, it's kept me from doing so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like, before I got to that point, you know, I got to a point where I was like, I, I want to be able to hold my own. Like, I want to know what, I want to know what I'm doing. I want, I want to be able to make the choices that I hear these singers that I admire making. And and I think it came with the realization that it was a choice Mm -hmm. and it was not this kind of unreachable, mystified Mm -hmm. ability. And, you know, I don't mean to take away the mystique. Like, as musicians... We want to make it seem like, you know, it, you know, it's can't me, touch you know, this, right? <laughs> I can't, right. right exactly. I, a, music, a magician never reveals her secrets, all that sort of stuff. Right. But for singers, like from singer to singer and from musician to musician as well, because, you know, I, I, I have, you know, friends of mine who play instruments who are interested in what I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, as a singer, I'm going to appeal mostly to singers. And so from singer to singer, I want to kind of tear down this wall or this idea that it takes a special kind of person to be able to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, I know. Some of us are born with natural talents in certain directions or other directions. But generally, there's a lot that we can learn how to do. There's, and, you know, even from like the thought of like, Hearing, because, you know, we're really big now, at least on social media, we're really big on people who can run. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone who does a crazy run seemed to be going viral, you know. Exactly. Uh, So that's that's another one of those things that sometimes we as singers can look at and just be like, it's to make you want to quit. Like, (laughs) why am I doing this? Why am I doing this when Jasmine Sullivan and Tori Kelly exist? What am I doing? You know? I, I want to... I want to make sure that people know that even stuff like that is a skill that they can build. 
having a good ear is a skill that you can build. It's not something that you have to just sit back with your mouth agape and, and just be like, wow, if you are a singer and you want to build this, you can 1000%. And so I'm, I'm driven, um, by wanting other singers to know that. And that, my friends, is why I asked her on this show, because this show is about empowering singers, about empowering mm-hmm. artists during their their development, during their journey from different angles. And so from one singer to another, having somebody that else that's saying, because I, I say it all the time, so I'm in an echo chamber. I'm always hearing myself say, learn this stuff. But to have someone else who's doing really, really, really well on social media say these things, it's 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 obviously it's validating for me, but it's also people need to hear this often, you know, that no, you're not just born with XYZ. A lot of it is learned. Whether it's learned in a school or it's learned by studying an, an album, it's still learned. You know, it's been practiced it's somewhere along the line. So, you know, I'm just I'm super, super excited about that. So tell us a little bit more about um what made you start to just, you know, say, I'm going to put this on Instagram? Because again, when I said dry, I mean, you know, scales and modes for a lot of people is dry. <laughs> the water's dry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember, I remember in jazz, you know, and I know my modes. I know them. I don't know them as good as you do, but I know my modes, right? But learning it was just not fun. It wasn't fun. It was just like, okay, C to C, D to D, E to E. Okay. But you make it fun. Like, I am I swear, I, I'm waiting for your stuff to come out on Instagram so I can get some practice in. <laughs> so what made, because you could have done a lot of things. A lot of other people was just going the route of, you know, I'll teach the riffs and runs. Rather than teaching the understanding of what material goes into the riffs and runs, you're teaching the material. And, and, but other people mostly teach the runs and really they're just teaching you how to copy, but you're not getting a sense of what you're actually using. So it's not as reusable. So what made you do that? I am like holding in like the biggest screams and, and because, amen. Um, this, I'm telling you, when I saw you, I saw you. You know what I mean? I saw, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. This is a different angle, but I see what she's doing here, and I really, really love it. I need to talk to her. That's why I was like, you know what? I know she don't know me from a can of paint, but I'm going to write to her and tell her I want to interview her, and we'll see what happens. So this is how you know. You got to try things. You never know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, this is true. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a great segue into the answer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, essentially, I was just... Uh, confronted, I guess, with the need to get my modes together. Okay. Um, I'll tell this story super quick. Okay. Um, the person who set me on this path, a really important person to me, I haven't known him for a very long time, but he's become uh, such an important person in my life at this point um, so quickly. Uh, he's a mentor of mine, and so he's also my manager. Okay. And so he, uh, we were recording. Uh, well, before that, he had actually taught me how to look at moans okay. and how to start to transfer them into my voice or whatever have you. Because he's a guitarist, okay. amazing guitarist. You should have him on one day. Okay. But- <laughs> uh, listen, I, I'm eating everything you're putting out right now. Okay. He's great. But <laughs> What's his name? Let's give him but- a shout out. Oh, sure. Chris Morgan. Chris Morgan. Morganism. Yes. He, yeah. Anyhow, my hero. Anyway, um, he taught me everything, right? And I should have dug in after he showed me mm-hmm. because, you know, his his ear is in outer space. Like, if you think I have a good ear, he is like, <laughs> and so one one night at a recording session, he's like, uh, oh, you know what you should do? You should uh, do a run at this part and you should switch from Dorian to Aeolian. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I should. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I'm like, that's, that's a great idea. Um, Let me get back to you. Yeah. Right? But here's the thing. I sat there for 45 minutes. It had to be about 45 minutes. Trying over and over and over and over again to get this run. To, to think of something that would go from Dorian to Aeolian. And I could not hear it. I, 
I couldn't hear it. Okay. I couldn't hear it for the life of me. And I actually had to stop the session. Well, we got to the end of the session, right? Because by the end of 45 minutes of listening to somebody try to do something they can't do, everybody's frustrated. Everybody yeah. wants to just, you know, let's, let's, let's able yeah. this. <laughs> Come back when you're ready. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that feeling, yeah. oh, never again. I said never again. And so, you know, when the when the session was over, you know, everybody, you know, frustrated, we're cooling down. He texts me. He's like, you need to learn your modes. And I, I told you that. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. I'm going to get on it. Okay. So the next day, I sat at my keyboard and I'm like, all right, because that's never happened to me again. I'm going to learn these modes and I'm going to start with Dorian. And I was practicing it, perhaps in a more dry way, you know, just going up the scales, thinking to myself. Then I stopped. I pulled my hands from the keyboard and tried to do it just vocally. And that major six was kicking my butt. (laughs) (laughs) It was kicking my behind. And so I came, I, I, I realized I had to figure out how I'm going to make this easy for myself to remember. Right. Right. And so I turned it into an exercise. I put words to it. I emphasized the major six uh, for myself. And that actually turned into my first post. Now, the reason I posted it wasn't because I wanted to be the modes girl on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's... It like, was... Oh, right. I'm going to grow up to be the modes girl on Instagram. <laughs> right. I'm going to aspire right. to that. Yeah. Exactly. It, it was literally just me. I'm I'm an independent artist as well, um, uh, songwriter and, and uh, all that Producer. sort of stuff. Producer. And so, right, producer, yes. yes. You, you wear many so, hats. I saw them, and this will all be going into the, the episode notes. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> so I was just trying to offer a helpful, you know, because that, that's how I was building my content. I was trying to figure out how to be helpful because I, you know, trying to figure out social media. The biggest thing in social media right now is being helpful to the person, yeah. being helpful to the people who are following you in some way. And not just making it all about yourself, yeah. but trying to find things that connect with people. So I just made a suggestion. I said, if you're a singer, these are the reasons it'd be great to learn your modes. And and while I was showing my little list on the screen, I was actually singing my Dorian exercise that I had just made. And then that post was pinging like crazy. Everybody's like, this is so cool. Like, you should do more of these. And then I get all these comments like, please do every mode. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> pay me. So I'm like, okay. Well, well you know, at the, I didn't have I, that I mind know, at I the know. time. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding too. Um, so yeah, so then I, it, it became a little series. Uh, I did, you know, I did them in order. I did Phrygian the next day, then Lydian, Mixed Lydian, et cetera. And then by the end of it, um, someone had commented, if you if you put these exercises in a in a PDF, I'd buy it. And I was like, "Oh, you would? Would you now?" Have to take my money, right? Like now we're talking. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right. so then I I I um spent some time um putting together exercises, mainly uh written exercises um to uh help people not just sing through the scale, but play with the scale and, and gain more dexterity in the scale. Mm-hmm. So those same kinds of vocal agility exercises we would do, like maybe doing things in thirds or doing things in groups of three mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Do that, but alter the notes. And that helps us to gain the same kind of agility or whatever. And, and that was how I built that actual, um, the actual exercise collection. But it wasn't even like I woke up and I was like, Modes. Mm-hmm. It's modes all the way. I just, <laughs> it was just one That's moment crazy. where I said, this is a cool thing that I am uh, learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that other people would benefit from learning it too. So I'll just throw it out as a helpful hint and whoever is helped is helped. And otherwise, you know, I'll post something else tomorrow. But it, it, it took a whole other turn. That is crazy. And so wait, when would you, when did you post your very first video on this? Ooh. Uh, Hmm. I want to say it was early 2022. That's not that long ago. No, it's not that long ago. So just I, I'm I'm saying this so that people can sort of get a time span on the moment you make a commitment to do something and the time that you reap the benefits, maybe like, and you're doing it consistently, it could be like two years or something like that. Um, I mean, you've reaped it been, uh, uh, before then, but 
just to give people, because people always think, especially with Instagram and social media, that everything is overnight. It's like, no, you're seeing the tip of the iceberg. You're not seeing all the work I did underneath. And going back to the embarrassment and how you turn that around to something to, you know, you turn it to your benefit. You know, the, the, you said, I'm never again. I'm, I'm never going to be in a situation where, you know, people are speaking a musical language and I don't understand it. If I'm a musician, I have to speak musician's language. You know, you are saying the words that are in my heart. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and so I love that because you, you could have turned it and said, you know, I'm just stick your tail between your legs and go sit in the corner and never be heard of again. But no, Miss Miss Robbins said, uh not me, not this one. Uh, we're going to learn these modes. Some, you know, somebody I love and trust said, learn these modes. I'm going to learn these modes. And um, so how has learning these modes changed how you approach singing? Oh, yeah. It's made it a lot more fun, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Because before that point, it's like you get into a rut. Like singers, we get into a rut mm-hmm. sometimes. And you find yourself, you know, I'm singing regularly, leading worship at church, performing, etc. And it's like, okay, to y'all, and to the average listener, to people I'm singing to, you all may not have any sense, you know, n- not necessarily any sense that uh, what I'm doing is is trite or not enough for the moment. Like, I, you know, we're carrying the moment. We're doing what we have to do. You know, performances are going well, all that sort of stuff. People in church are connecting. Mm-hmm. But for me, on the inside, I'm like, oh. I've heard more, and I know I could do more right. uh, if I just, like, what is it? Like, what is it that, that that differentiates me from the singers that I admire? Right. And it's about finding the bridge from here to there. That's so important, as opposed to sitting in the space and being like, this is just the type of singer I am. Like, I just, I, I can't. I'm not a runner. I'm not a this. I'm. Not, I can't belt. I'm. I blah 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 blah. <laughs> Just sit. You you have the option of sitting and, and consigning yourself to being a certain type of singer, or you can build the skills that will help you to gain the ground that you want. And so I think since adding modal colors to my palette, mm-hmm. right? Um, I've been having a lot more fun. Yeah, I've been having a lot more fun. I've been experimenting more um i've been finding these moments to to use what i've learned and to use what's what could have been a very academic and you know head knowledge based pursuit mm-hmm. i'm using it as a tool to uh and i don't want to overuse the the painting metaphor but it really that yeah. it it really is just being able to just being able to, to to paint with new colors and learn and, and with new techniques and with your blending and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it, it's been, it's been fun. I will say, I think that's my number one. Yeah. <laughs> my number one word. I don't think we can overuse the, the metaphor of painting because, mm-hmm. you know, we've got our primary colors, you know, but mm-hmm. then, you know, you've got shades of red, shades of green, shades of yellow. And let's say, yeah. you know, when you're an artist, if you're painting your bedroom, you're not just going to pick any old kind of yellow. Right. You know, it's going to be sunset yellow or, you know, Puerto Rican sunset yellow. You know, it's <laughs> that's a shout out to my girlfriend from Puerto Rico because her and my brother are chilling in Puerto Rico right now. And I'm here freezing my butt off and I'm jealous. But anyway, you know what I mean. Well, now I am too. You, you know what I mean. It's it's about specificity, Spe- specific, specificity. Yeah. Right. Being specific mm-hmm. because you can be specific. Otherwise, you're just taking generic red, generic blue, generic yellow, or whatever, and that's okay. But when you've been doing it for a while, let me see. Do you get bored easily? Yeah. Yeah. I think most art, most I think most great artists do get bored easily. Because it's like we've done it and it we've done it enough that that thing we're doing becomes easy. It becomes second nature. And it's like, okay, I need some other excitement. What's going on around here? What we got? Right. You know, what we got to work with. Right. Now, I imagine that your pursuit of singing the modes has definitely made uh, musicians treat other musicians treat you differently. Tell me about that. Ooh. <laughs> well, I mean... 
I I want to frame this in the best way. Yeah, it's not. Ah, uh, boy, because there's there there's there's levels to it, right? Because mm-hmm. not only am I a musician, I am a female musician. Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. I'm a black female musician. I know where you're going. I'm a black female musician whose primary instrument voice, is her voice. Dad. <laughs> so, on one hand, I've I've gotten a lot of really great reception and respect mm-hmm. from really cool people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know, my mentor and and then my friends who are musicians like we we are there's there's like a mutual respect that we always had for each other um that has remained um and I I love that it's easier to articulate what I want to hear in any given moment that that's a huge blessing mm-hmm. um but then you know you do run across the occasional you know you know mm-hmm. person <laughs> person <laughs> who you know just I okay, I want to say that I've I've been heavily supported and I've received tons of love. Yeah. And like I said in a sense respect from people who uh who know the stuff and from people and from people who don't know the stuff. Yeah. But then there's always the back door side of it where it's like, you know, you want to challenge me on like mm-hmm. whether it's 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 D flat or C sharp like yeah. okay. Yeah. At the end of the day, does it sound good or does it sound bad? Yeah, you know, I mean, do are we really going to get into what's that word I'm looking for? Oh, I can't find it. It's like semantics, you know. Uh, come on, you know, are are, are you here for that? Because that's that's a different that's a different game altogether. I mean, and I personally am not interested in that particular game, whether it's D uh, D flat or C sharp. I, I call it blurple if you want. I really don't care. <laughs> You know, right. I, but I'll tell you what, I'll put it in the right spot at the right time. And then we can talk about that. Now run tell that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, I know, yeah. I know what you mean. There are going to be some musicians that no matter how well you do, just because you are a woman and your primary instrument is voice, they're going to expect less of you and treat you mm-hmm. as if you did less, even though you did more. Um, yeah. But I would be willing to bet that there's a caliber of musician out there that they they see you and they see you. They're like, oh, I see mm-hmm. what you do. Okay. Yeah, she she went to the shed and she did the work. Um, she's one of us. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I just want to emphasize that there's been more of that mm-hmm. than there has been anything else. Yeah. And it, it has been um really rewarding and and validating um to be able to have even this conversation. Like this is the sort of thing that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't just made that post. And then after that, if I hadn't continued and if I hadn't tried to figure out new ways for myself mm-hmm. to grow in this area, mm-hmm. but also share what works for me with, with, with other people. And so, uh, I've been met with a lot more people who are just like, yeah, yeah. if they're not like, you know, how do I do that? Please show me. It's it's like yeah, th- exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's two kinds of comments right. I get. Dare dare I say mm-hmm. that the people that are like yeah, this is really cool are the ones that are truly for the music. They're not about perpetuating mm-hmm. negativity and things like that. Um, they're mm-hmm. really about you know let's let's just because when it's good when we're playing together and it's good it's really good. It's soul stirring. It is um, something I get often in lessons and I think it's great it's healing there's mm-hmm. something healing about people coming together being vulnerable taking being daring but not stupidly daring they're daring in a way um that's still knowledgeable you know you can take those mm-hmm. risks risks excuse me because you've actually already traveled that road before mm-hmm. you just might be doing it in a slightly different way but I think that that's wonderful and what I think that's wonderful about what you're doing is you're doing something that still eludes a lot of people, but you're not keeping it for yourself. You're not keeping it for yourself. And I think that's important, especially in the world of music. And if we go even deeper between singers, um, mm-hmm. uh, my last week's, uh, well, actually this week, yesterday, whatever, um, 
today, no, today is Monday. Um, today's mm-hmm. episode, which is uh, episode ten, it's about jealousy in mm. the, in you know in the artist community, and I talk about that, and you know that's something that unfortunately is prevalent. And so when you do have somebody that has a knowledge that most singers don't fathom, and you have that person that is sharing, they're, they're not like, I'm going to keep this for me, 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 me. You're actually sharing mm-hmm. this stuff. You're making it accessible. You're making it sexy, if I will. Um, I think that that's something that's to be commended. And that's really why I wanted you on the show, because I'm like, you know, with my little podcast show for now, uh, if I can hopefully... 10 years from now, somebody will see this podcast and hopefully they'll already know who you are by then. But, you know, you never know who's listening. And I'm like, this person needs the biggest platform ever because you just don't see this combination. You're either going to see somebody who's doing something great and they're like, me, 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 or, um, or they're, you know, they're, they're not doing it at all, you know, or, and so I think it's important um, as artists that we do come together, that we build communities of like-minded people. We're all a little bit vulnerable, right? At the end of the day, because it's a vulnerable art form. If you're not being vulnerable at all, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? Right. You know, I'm actually, I'll be honest with you. I'm very, I'm an open book and I'm very transparent about the fact that I still study. I take, still take voice lessons with my teacher. Everybody knows him, Greg Andriquez. Um, I'm actually, I want to take a one-to-one lesson with you. I do because I want to, um, I get bored easily. And I wouldn't say I'm in a rut, but I do, I do know that I've spent so much of my time um, of late being a better, um, being a better teacher um, that sometimes I need to feed myself as an artist as well. Cause we tend to forget that. You know, when we when we have both roles, how how are you dealing with the role of being a teacher and artist? Oh, yeah. Um, It has been. It's been an adjustment. Mm -hmm. It's been an adjustment. Um, You know, coming out of college, I wanted to. Well, going into college, I'll start there. Going into college, I wanted to come out as a teacher. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. I was going to go to uh, undergrad, get everything I wanted musically, like I told you earlier. I wanted to do jazz, Mm -hmm. right? And then the plan was to go uh, to grad school for education, music education. What ended up happening was because all my undergrad was classical, I wanted to go to grad school for jazz. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I reconciled that. Um, And I remember when I was leaving undergrad, one of the things that my teacher said, one of my teachers, uh, my advisor, actually, she said, you have all your life to be a teacher. Go do something cool. <laughs> oh, can we kiss right? this person? I love that. <laughs> right. I love that. So, yeah, just like you, you can you can do that at any point, you know, be a school teacher if that's what you really want later on down the road. Right now, go out, do something cool. Yeah. You know, and I took that to heart. Um, and so coming out of college, I really wanted to focus on, um, you know, being an artist and, and pushing that side of myself. Mm-hmm. I was writing songs already. I'd been writing songs since high school. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was I was just getting the bravery to actually go into a studio and start to record myself and actually put something together that people would be able to hear. Because, again, I'm battling, you know, perfectionism at the time. Like, mm-hmm. hey, am I supposed to do this? Like, I really want to do this. But what if it doesn't come out? Right, right, right. You know, the, the tortured soul of it all. Um, and so it's it, it, to me, it's like, it's so ironic because it's like, I, I, I feel like the teacher side of me is, is such an important part of me that it almost chased me. It's like, you keep trying to, <laughs> You keep trying to walk away from it um, and run away from it to, to focus, and you've got it compartmentalized. But I think that what I've realized over the past uh, year or so is that it doesn't have to be compartmentalized necessarily. I can do both. I can help people grow, and I can show them who I am as a musician and, and, and as an artist. Because I think that's one of the goals of artistry is to be understood, mm. is to be like, I think all of us who make music and especially those of us who like 
make it from the ground up, who, you know, produce it and write it and arrange it and all that sort of stuff. Every piece of it almost, it comes from your mind. And being a musician who puts their music out is like being someone just standing in the street naked. Like, look, (laughs) look at this. It came from inside of my heart. (laughs) And that can be a very scary thing. (laughs) Well, scary, but look at you. I mean, just in the last week on Instagram, if anybody's following you, you made a song out of a word that every confidence, right? That everybody, yeah. you, you asked them what to, to do and you, you know, you gave us prompts and stuff like that. And then you like, you showed us a piece of it and he's like, and it was bumping. And then it's like, should I do more? I'm like, are you crazy? Are you, you're not going to leave us like that. We're not going to let you off the hook. You better finish that song. We come get you. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I love that. That is so funny. <laughs> but it's, I, I think, I think that's the beauty of, where I'm at in the journey right now. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this year, I finally made the decision to, you know, and then this was after conversation with my team and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. making the decision to split the pages up and have the page where I've basically been posting all of my modes and ear training content be one page and then branch off and let my artist page kind of breathe on its own yeah. where I'm like creating and making songs because, you know, everybody's with me for different reasons. And that's something that you have to accept. And that's fine. It's fine. It's perfectly fine that some people want me to give them ear training. Right. Because they want to be better. And that's, I want them to be better too. So please, here, take all the ear training. If you have no interest at all in the music that I make, then stay over here. Right, right, right. But if you, right, if you also, you know, would like to hear some new music that that I'm making that I care a lot about and that I'm actually using what I'm teaching you to make, then you can come over here and, and, I think the beauty of that is um, being able to see the true reflection or the true reception of it. Because when you have a page that, you know, people are mainly like there for the ear training and then you post your song. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not that it's a bad song. It's just that this is not this what This is not what I'm here for. I didn't come to the store for, for this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I came for shoes and you're trying to sell me hats. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And so I forget who told me this. It's It's like... Social media, in a way, is like a contract. Mm-hmm. People follow you. It's like they're signing a contract. I want to see more of this. That, yeah. Right? And so it's like, if you don't honor the contract, people may not unfollow you outright, which has happened. Mm-hmm. But people... Uh, they don't engage. Just won't engage. Yeah. They won't engage. And they, won't they engage. might as well unfollow if they're not going to engage. Exactly. So having everybody in their silos, in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it has been refreshing. And it's allowed me to see who really appreciates the art that I make. And that's been a a huge encouragement that now it it feeds into my encouragement as a teacher. Because it's like, if you're a dual-sided person Mm -hmm. who is art, you know, who who makes and creates, but also teaches and helps others make and create, and one is lopsided, like one is is getting more water, getting, you know, getting, flourishing more than the other, it can, it can feel very discouraging. And then the whole, the whole plant dies, you know what I mean? But, it, it's been really good to kind of separate the two in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, Even though that's got to be also more having work, feed into each other. That's got to be more work, though. Y- yes, it is. It but is. But work. I like it. Yeah. I do like it because it's. I'm more sure that whatever I post on the Robin's Nest, people are going to be like, yes, that's what I want. And I'm more sure that if whatever I post on Ashley Robin Music, mm-hmm. people are going to be like, yes, this is why I'm here. So it's like okay. both. It's more work. Two pages are getting posted on on multiple platforms. <laughs> Pray for me, but the people who see it want to see it, and that 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 gives me everything I need. Honestly, cool. So wait a minute. You said team. Can I ask? Because I I like if mm-hmm. we can peek behind the scenes. How big is your team? Yeah. Oh, um, I want to say including me, there are five of us. There's five. Can you uh, mm-hmm. uh, enunciate what each person does? Sure. So I have. Two managers, they're a husband and wife team. So maybe the, maybe I count them as one. I don't know <laughs> if they, they like and are the same person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're the ones who really kind of work with me on like not just what I do, but how. Um, because there are a couple they're, they're a lot further in, in terms of like uh, the, the music industry than I am. And so they are able to see certain things further than me. Mm-hmm. And so whereas when I was alone and I was just kind of posting and shooting from the hip, mm-hmm. 
some things would work and some things wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And so having them to kind of bounce ideas off of and then to to talk about, you know, how should I present this? You know, should I do it this way or should I do it that way? And have, just having people to talk about it with, mm-hmm. um, it has been really helpful to kind of streamline the process. It makes it, it, makes it a bit easier. Okay. Um, and then let's see. Then there's uh, Caleb. <laughs> he's the only person I called by name so far, but he's like the um, the production person. So in the same way, in the same way that I go to my managers, we talk about social media presentation, all that sort of stuff. What what's the plan for the year? All that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. He kind of helps me. Uh, continue and grow my understanding of how to produce things and how to, you know, make sounds and make things sound well polished. Okay. So he's kind of helped me a, a huge deal with that. So are you? And then the last person. Uh, wait, I'm just, sorry. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off for a second. So you're producing all your own. You're recording your own videos and stuff by yourself. You're not. Nobody is editing and doing that for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. You wear many hats. Yes. Yes. We are producing. We are recording. We are editing. We are tuning. We are. <laughs> You got 10 jobs recording. <laughs> we are ed- exactly. We are editing. We are thinking of the captions. Okay. <laughs> so it's a lot. Okay. But I do have a lot of help at the same time. I have a lot of people to to bounce things off of, which has been helpful. Okay. Um, and then the last person, uh, who's also uh important as well, um, his name is Odain. Uh and he he's a he's a uh, a person of of worth uh to to chat with as well. Um he uh, kind of helps me get my live performances most of the time. So okay. if you see me somewhere, whether I'm doing backgrounds or whether I'm doing something solo, it's most likely him that made the connection okay. for me to go do that thing. But yeah, that's the team. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Now, I, I, mm-hmm. I pride myself on keeping my podcast rather short because they're usually about 15 mm-hmm. minutes long because, you know, people got lives and stuff like that. But this is just such a good conversation. But I do have a few more quick questions. I think they're quick. We yeah. we shall see. Um, how did you wind up battling your perfectionism? Oh. Oh. I thought it was going to be quick. Maybe not. <laughs> well, I've, I've, well, okay. Buffering. Let me load. Um, <laughs> um, It, it's really like a moment of realization. At first, I didn't realize that I was battling that because I think the fight for me would manifest in like procrastination mm-hmm. or just overall shyness and, and not insecurity, really mm-hmm. insecurity and not being really able or or ready to show people what I could do or even to call myself what I am. That that was a big thing, I think. Um, the moment that I actually articulated and uh, and called myself a producer or called myself an artist, those were pivotal moments for me mm-hmm. because it's like once you put that on yourself, you have to accept everything that comes with it. So it's like if I tell y'all I'm a producer, this is this is like the the my the voice in the back of my head. If you tell them you're a producer, then they're gonna like listen more closely to your yeah. <laughs> they're gonna be able to see that you're not good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they have expectations. <laughs> right. Right. But it's like that that it, it, it I think perfectionism and imposter syndrome must be dating because it's like <laughs> they had a baby. <laughs> they're all right, they're always together. <laughs> but, but yeah. So it it it's 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 it wasn't even just like one big overthrow of perfectionism. I am not a perfectionist. I will never do perfectionist things again. It was it's more it has more been gradual steps toward being free and also like shedding because it's layers, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't maybe it's not called perfectionism. Maybe maybe it's not all under that umbrella, but it's like I don't want to keep the crippling insecurity mm-hmm. of perfectionism, but I do appreciate the excellence. I do like, yes. you know, that I'm not just going to throw anything up there. Right. I'm going to make sure that, it, but then there's also that side where it's got, you got to have regulation be like, okay, when is enough enough? This is good. Like it's not going to get any better. Post it. It's not going to get any better. Submit it to be mixed. Like it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that middle ground is so, yeah. so tough to say, you know, yeah. I have to strive for excellence. But I also have to know and appreciate where I'm at right now. Exactly. Having that appreciation, it's the fuel that keeps you going. 
You can say, look how yeah. far I have come. And I don't think we do that enough. And I'll, I'll raise my hand and say, hi, I'm, I'm Monique. And I don't appreciate myself enough. I'm always looking for the highest mountain. And when I get to it, I'm looking towards the next mountain. You know, but I'm starting to learn. <laughs> okay, let me preach again. I got both hands I know. <laughs> I'm starting to learn that if we treat ourselves that way, then we're not appreciating. And then it feels like all the work like if we if somebody treated us like that at our job, we would quit. We quit. quit and and call them all kinds of MFs and whatnot. <laughs> you know, oops. You know, we would not be a happy person if nobody else recognized how far we came and how hard we worked, and yet we do it to ourselves. Right. Anyway, I love your clarity. You seem so clear about who you are and what you want. My last question is, you know, again as a singer. How did you wrap your head around all the studio tech stuff? Oh, wow. It, it was, it took me a while. I've been fiddling with my laptop as a producer since 2010. Okay. So I got my first laptop. Yeah, I got my first laptop in, uh, for college. PC and or it Apple? it came with GarageBand. Oh, Apple. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I got my uh, first MacBook. Look, I don't want to talk to nobody. I got a PC. <laughs> right. Wait, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> right. That's horrible. That's nice. I'm so glad I had the right answer. <laughs> right. Right. But we, we do have this kind of, uh, you know, pride. Yes, there's a, a geekery pride. <laughs> we put an Apple sticker yeah, right on our head. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That, that, that's why they give us stickers is to put on our head. But anyhow. <laughs> By the way, I get no money yeah. from Apple for this. None. Zilch. Right. Not yet. Right. <laughs> Right, right. Um, yeah, so I, I got my first MacBook at, in 2010 for college. And it just started out with me messing around with GarageBand. I, do, I used to do loads of acapella arrangements mm -hmm. with my first keyboard because, my keyboard, my first laptop, because I didn't have a keyboard and I didn't know how to play anything yet. Um, so I just, and it was funny. I, I, I wish that y'all could see, like, I used to, I didn't have any mic at the time. So I used to press record and just like lean over my my laptop <laughs> and sing everything into it. It was bad, but <laughs> no, but you had, but yeah, you made it work. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play anything that I made at that time for you. That's now. okay. I mean, but but it 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 certainly got you into the process of recording, yes. listening back, recording, listening back, making changes, adjusting, record because that's a process, exactly. you know. Yes, singers. Often, I think they tend to, they record, they don't listen back, so they can't make the change, and they just keep recording and not listening back and not changing. Now, now you right. think you got a funny story about recording. When I was little, I remember having this, like, Casio. I don't know how many how many um, keys it had, but it was a little Casio, and it had a recording feature. And I was like, mm, I got a cassette recorder. I'm, I'm dating myself here, okay? I can record something with my Casio and play it out and then record it with my cassette and sing on top of that. So I just made three tracks. Well, two really okay. insane. And that's how I did my, that's how I started recording, you know, but just to that's innovation, to innovate. Listen, I did with what I had, you know, I did what I could with what I had. So just currently, just out of curiosity, what is your current setup for recording? What are you using? Yeah. Right now I you well, okay. I produce in Logic. And that's just because it's it's a comfort zone for me at this point. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, I've been using, you know, GarageBand and Logic are like siblings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been using that sort of DAW for so long that I'm just really comfortable producing and I'm fast mm -hmm. producing in Logic. So I produce the music in Logic, but then I head over to Ableton. Okay. Ableton is like a new uh, acquisition, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not the right word. Um, but I've learned at least how to record in Ableton and, and, I, and I like the experience. Um, so I use Ableton to record my vocals. Um, I do have some plugins that I tend to use. Um, Slate Digital has a really good one called Virtual Mix Rack. It's got like a compressor and, and and all this sort of stuff that kind of helps my voice come out nice and smooth. Okay. Like when you hear me, well, really anything that you've heard of mine has been actually recorded through Ableton on my laptop in my closet. Okay. Yeah. I think I saw that somewhere that you recorded because the, the, the sounds be banging in the closet. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 I got my clothes all around. I have a, um, a towel sheet combo that I drape over my head. I got the microphone nestled in between all the clothes. I go in there. Mm -hmm. 
I do my recording. It gets hot in there sometimes. But you know what? Yeah. We got to do, do, we gotta we gotta do. do. What, what mic are you using? Oh, yes. I have a warm audio junior. I don't remember like the, um, I think it's a, is it a, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I, I But it, it is a warm audio um, microphone. And then I have like a, a Chaotica eyeball for isolation. Okay. And then in the closet is like double the isolation. So it's like really crisp. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to stop with the tech stuff because you done lost me. But but <laughs> I, I like having that information out there for other people who are a bit more tech savvy than I am and, oh, who, yeah. and who need that information. Because, again, this is all about sharing. Listen, I Absolutely. want to, again, thank you so much for taking all this time. Because I know you busy, child. I know you got, you got more modes to be putting out there and, and people to teach and, you know, schooling them. Just thank you so much. Thank you for being such a positive light in the singer community. You know, I think uh, it's important to say that when we see somebody like that. I I just want you to know I see you. If nobody else sees you, I see you. But I know a lot of people see you. Um, is there any last parting words that you'd like to say to our listeners? Um, I think if I was to say one final thing, I just want to emphasize and make sure that you know that whatever whatever improvement you want to make you can make it whatever thing you're thinking about your voice that is not quite where you want it I I just hope that that you'll never allow that to discourage you completely and that you will look for the resources that you'll because they're out there do what you can to make the improvements that you want to see so that you can enjoy the gift of singing. You know, don't, you know, try not to be so hard on yourself and and just know that whatever you want to do better, you can do better and, you know, go for it. I love it. Those are famous last words and I love it. See, I told you, isn't she fun? Isn't she wonderful? Such a generous person. You know, it's always nice to see somebody that is so knowledgeable be so generous with that knowledge. You know, she cares. And she cares so much that she even decided to give all of my listeners a 15% off of a one-to-one ear training session with her. I think I'm going to take her up on it for myself. But in any case, all that information will be in the episode notes. Thank you for listening. And listen, you know it really helps if you subscribe. That way you don't miss anything. And tell a friend about it. Musically, Monique.